to wonder, after all the time I spent writing columns and thinking about sex, are women ever going to be considered comedians, or will they just be comedians considered women? Nah, it's on the PA. Well, episode seven, here we go. And uh, it's a continuation of my chat last week with the effervescent Ali Moore. Uh, we talked for over an hour and it was so good, I could not cut and squeeze it into, you know, a 23 minute segment. So I decided give the lady a two-parter because she's worth it. And uh, I'm going to dive right in. So here we go. My second half of my conversation with Ali Moore. And we talk really deeply about uh, her first time on stage, her first praise, and the state of women in comedy because we're such fucking experts. But um, I hope you enjoy it. So here we go. Part two, Ali Moore. And I took a creative writing class and we had learned about uh, creative nonfiction, which is basically just uh, the art of making uh, lies a little bit more realistic. So <laughs> not na- it, making the truth more fun. So sure. I, we had to do, we had to perform a piece we wrote in the class that year, like for the end of the term and everybody did like a poem or whatever, but I just went up and did like a couple minutes of stand up basically because it was creative nonfiction about how my sister talks in her sleep. Uh, and Tim Patton was sitting in the front row and he went, you want to do stand up? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to do stand up. And he gave me David Green's number and I ignored him for a year because <laughs> uh, I worked like every Thursday. <laughs> And then uh, third year, I came live to you guys after I was a legal eagle and came on the scene. I invited like 20 people the first day. So everybody thought I was a hero because I was so good. Um, And then I was I hit a hot streak for many, many months of uh, people. uh, I don't know. People like chick comics, uh, even though they hate them. You know, we're just (laughs) like these rare little peacocks of sunshine that people are like, wow, titties jokes about penises i don't know it's wow well you know what like i mean even in our scene i mean it's still very much uh, a draw for more male comedians than female and i'm always very sort of invigorated when i see you know uh women throw their hat into the ring all right i don't know what that means you weren't wearing a hat it's a dead (laughs) metaphor but let's continue always like something that like inside you just kind of clicks you know because when you make people laugh that's the way i've always been like it's just the best feeling and it's like oh, my happiest you, moment. You just said when you make people laugh and my whole body was just flooded with serotonin. <laughs> I was like, that's the <laughs> Exactly. Like, I remember, like, since I was a kid, like, I would watch, like, you know, TV shows and movies and I would sort of mimic the style of, like, humor that they were doing. And I was often, like, as a young kid, people thought it was weird because, like, they didn't watch what I watched or they just thought I was, you know, right on, you know, another planet. Um, right. But that really kind of trained me. And I'm sure when you're like, what, what do you remember being like sort of like an inspiration for you when you're younger? Like what really made you laugh? Like what, what real, or still does, let's say. 
myself mainly, <laughs> but that was um so you know like uh classic big girl probs um i've always been the funny one you know yeah. like every friend group that's been my thing i was never the beauty queen i was always way too tall and way too chunky but damn was i a real jokester um i was just gonna say uh when you're like six or seven inches taller than all of these like little boys um they start to just like look up at you and make up insults all day so you come out and try to be like the most vivacious and fun person you can be and all of these people are like you're terrible and then i don't know i believed it for a really long time until i was like wait a minute i'm hilarious and you're annoying yes and then yeah so it's it's really been a line to toe. I've learned over the years also, I mean, I'm I'm the most obnoxious person alive, but I used to be worse. Oh honey, tell me. I I, I can give you a few names and give you a run for your money, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think also like, you know, when you feel like you everyone tries to find their niche, I think. Like, especially in high school. And, you know, I mean I think you and I can probably meet at like we were marginalized for different reasons. I mean, you were tall, you know, you weren't, you know, you perceived yourself as being bigger than everybody in, in, you know, different ways. Whereas I was always felt very thin. Like I couldn't defend myself. And also there's that whole gay thing that kind of, you know, that rumor persisted since grade one. I was always for it. Yeah. That shit always follows you, you know? And I think for, for me, I said, it's always been a a sword and a shield. Like it, it keeps me safe because uh, when I'm nervous or when I'm anxious, I can kind of, you know, like, you know, quip something in a way I go. But, yeah. yeah. And also it was like, you know, I'm going to, I was never really self-deprecating until I was older. Like I didn't make fun of myself, but I thought I, if I can make fun of you first and it'd be better, then that's my power. Yeah. Yeah. See, and then that's so like, okay. So and I love the difference between the having the David or the Goliath battle in life. Yes. Um, because as Goliath, you're like, no, I'm a fucking Bigfoot and I could uh, I could meet every one of your strides with three. Like like every one yeah. of your steps is one of my strides. Like I'm not you start to learn how rather than to be I mean, not that you should pick back on people, but you start to learn how to have a spine when you're that tall. Now it's like sure. I don't We've all made cheap something. shots. Cheap shots was my name, my nickname in prison, but you know, sometimes <laughs> it's necessary. Cheap shots was my favorite thing to do when I was in my twenties. Um, but um, to what you said though, like I, I believe in the same thing. Like I don't believe in spreading negativity. However, um, the, the the golden rule of comedy is, of course, you comfort the afflicted and you afflict the comfortable. And if someone is afflicting Absolutely. me, I'm gonna afflict the shit out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're deserving it. If you're gonna come for me, then you know you're not gonna just walk all over me. And I I never made cheap shots. Okay, that's a lie. Let's disclaimer that was a lie when I was a teen. Please. Oh, I I got vicious. Exactly. I think that, you know, it, it hones you. And now, you know, I know how to mock somebody gently as opposed to, you know, destroying them psychologically because that's not really the, the forte really? anymore. It's not the, it's not the goal. No, you've got to learn. You've got to grow. You've got to craft your masterful roasts um, from devastating insults. Yeah. And that's the, the fine line I think a lot of us walk now is that we're in a time where, you know, people... I think that people being kinder is great, but to not find the humor in things to me is appalling because you're, you're going too far to the other side now. And I think that. Preach, uh, sister. Yeah. And I think with women comedians, especially, you know, uh, 
they've always been sort of uh, edgy in that, you know, they'll talk about things that traditionally, not, not that they're brought up by male standups, because why would they be? But they're like women's issues that are debated mostly by things like media and, again, men. And you're getting a woman saying, well, no, this what? is what I think. And it's revolutionary, really. And it's even in small increments because women's voices still are not highlighted or, or, or prominent in like our society, in our discourse. It's always, you know, mansplained or it's through the lens of, you know, uh, they have to be like they have to be like an expert in order to weigh in on something. And even then. So the fact that women are just saying this is how it is and take it or leave it is to me, it's great because, you know, we need those voices. We, we can't have that same voice over and over again. You know, can't just be dick jokes, people. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, okay. <laughs> my bad. I just had a stroke. No, this happened with uh, Taylor too. It's okay. So my uh, follow-up to that, um, what was the first, do you remember the joke that first got you the, the first laugh? Like what was the first joke you did that really was like, oh yeah, this is mint. <laughs> Uh, I rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed that five before I went on stage at Showtime, uh, that first time. And I was so ready and I was like, there is no way I'm going to be unprofessional and take more than five minutes, but I'm also not going to do less because I'm not going to go up there and look like some noob piece of shit who doesn't have five minutes worth of material. Yes. So I went up and burned through five in four. And then David let me go for seven, almost eight. And I was like, I, this is the first time I've ever been on stage. I just need to keep talking. But that being said, the first thing that ever came out of my mouth on a stand-up stage uh, was improvised because uh, I was like sixth or seventh on am night and I was the only girl. And I said, uh, David actually put me last today because I'm the only one without a dick. Little did he know, <laughs> it's just in my nightstand. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I made it up sitting there, and I thought I was a comedic genius. But it was just that little that bit of improv propelled so many improvised jokes on stage. Like I do the whole uh, nice tits joke, and when I say the overdraft bit, like I made that up on the fly the first time I ever did stand up, and like that's why it has so much, uh, so much meaning to me. I'll never forget that um, tag, you know. Yes, but. So the first thing I ever said was uh, was improv and it was awesome and it went so well. And then my closer that night, I think, was the was the pegging joke. And it was awesome. And I, I felt like a hero that day. <laughs> so hammered. So hammered. Really? So good. And you know what, though? That, yeah. That's, but... that's the that's the hook, though. You know what I mean? Like once you do well, it's that's the drug. You know what I mean? Like that's what keeps you coming back. Mm. And for it to happen to me the first time, like yeah. talk about uh, like chasing the dragon. I was like, how <laughs> am I ever, ever going to get that back? Like it was insanity, Sean Hannity. Oh, my God. Um, and I, the, yeah. the thing is, too, like, yeah, like I've improvised things. Uh, the one time I went up and I mean, I don't even remember. I, I had had like a day. You know what I mean? And I thought that, OK, I don't really need to rehearse because I've done these jokes before. Yada, yada, yada. And I got up there and I, I think I did two and like, I just completely lost my way. Like I could not remember with guns to my head, what my next joke was. And I, I and it's that feeling. And again, you feel like I've, I've had to kind of like fill time, you know what I mean? Even in my profession, but like, uh, I kind of froze. And then I don't even remember what I said, but I started telling a story that was actually a true story and it gained some like leverage. And I thought, okay, but 
improvising it's really hard because like i've also done it and it's like tank and uh you know i think one thing i learned uh is don't try to like keep it going like move on <laughs> you know what i mean because uh some have right. really worked out some right. haven't. i've again, also like, i've it's tough. And uh, so I'm the same way. I rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. But I don't want to sound too wooden. You know what I mean? Like, so it's good to have that kind of flash of improv. When I did the uh, roast battle uh, against Rebecca and she like, she had that, like that comeback. I could not possibly, I, I had to give it to her. If you remember, uh, she said, Patrick, we can see you. And literally, oh, like, certainly I do. It's I, I was trying not to laugh myself. <laughs> it was like, that was probably like I, I had I'm like, no, even if they said I won, I didn't win. Like that was the best comeback ever <laughs> jotting things down in literally like three minutes. And literally it was like that kind of rushed inspiration. Like it kind of just comes and you go with it because sometimes I'll sit in front of a screen and be like, you know, how can I be funny? And like nothing comes or I'll write some like, you know, drivel. <laughs> but sometimes it's in that moment when that serotonin's you know, just coursing through your veins. It was a lot. Um, and it has never felt like a hindrance because it just makes me feel like I already feel special, but it just makes me feel more special. Like I just feel like in addition to having something to prove just because I think that I'm new, I also feel like I have something to prove given my greenness and my gender and whatever, but it also just puts me, I appreciate sometimes um, when people can look at me and say that my not just because I'm a girl, not because I'm young. I'm just yeah. funny. And yeah. I'm always working every day to try to be not funny, not just funny because I'm the, I'm air quotes, the only girl. Um, but in spite of the fact that I'm the only girl. Yes. Exactly. Now you said you were the only girl. Uh, Is that common? <laughs> um, usually. I have Does that intimidate you? Why though, did I say I was the only girl? Does that intimidate you though, or like be uh, well, the girl? And then I think about all the other girls, and I'm like, well, it's really shitty of me to discredit people like Rebecca and Bones, and I mean, Joelle's now a Hamilton person, but obviously still forever. Uh, yes. Our NB queen Joelle is also should be included in this Shout umbrella. Out. That being said, I'm just such a baby. Like I'm, I feel. <laughs> When I first joined the scene, like I was barely 20 and the oh, I was like an infant. Like I just came fresh out of recess to come drink beer on <laughs> Thursday nights with you guys. You know what I mean? Like Awesome. Um, who do you like? Is there like a stand up or, or a comedian that like that, like opened the door for you? Okay, thank you so much for asking. I think about this question every day of my life. Um, should I ever be asked when I win? I don't know, a comedy Oscar? Why would anybody ever ask me that? Um, <laughs> But I, the first stand-up I ever watched that my brain didn't even realize was stand-up was Bo Burnham. And I was so captivated by this man who was doing what I just thought was some crazy performance art. And I was like, this is just like, I, and then he was the, that was the first like live show I ever saw. Um, And I went and saw him at UB when he did the Cappy tour. And it was like, from that moment, I was like, I need to make people laugh too. I know it's not going to be like this, but I need to find out how. And it was just, I was so inspired by somebody who has such a, like a brand and knew who they were and knew how to make people laugh with their talent that I was like, I just got to figure out how. And he's somebody like, I'm fascinated by him because one, like he was not like a slogging it out in the clubs 
like stand-up comic like he kind of came out like that and started kind of he got picked up very quickly and sometimes that can you know you can crash and burn but like he really you know just had that opportunity around with it but also just what he's doing like i'm always interested in like breaking the rules and and who's doing what's like you know right on the edge something that's never been done like i think uh hannah gadsby is another one where she dismantles the entire you know right comedic structure and then makes it work for her um but bo burnham like he has this you know rock and roll sort of aesthetic where it's like you know everything is uh, it's like a concert with no music but with music um <laughs> and it's not like a weird owl sort of deal it's 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 almost like a serious parody like i i don't even know how to kind of define it but like that it's 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 next level definitely art of dead is just uh, like at 19 years old how did you perfectly encapsulate the fact that every artist is a selfish piece of shit but you're never <laughs> going to change and that everybody needs to understand this i was like you're not you can't even drink man what are you doing <laughs> like it was just a like how can you be so it wasn't like he had come to this incredible halt uh, at like the top of his comedy career at 30 he like an did epiphany, yeah. what when he was 24 like yeah. that's in that's a year older than i am now i can't string three words together let alone an entire <laughs> concert If you're, you have to know the rules well enough that you can break them. And before you know them, you can't break right. them. Like you have to work within that. But I think too, like with being, uh, you know, a, a female voice, uh, I'm glad that it doesn't intimidate you because, you know, it, it, again, it still is very much, you know, male dominated and it's not, uh, you, you don't get a sense of like, you know, if, let's say you and Rebecca were on the same bill. It's like, you know, Ooh, are they in competition? Like, why do we do that? You know, you're not gladiators. Why are we always pitting you against each other? Margaret Cho and Amy Schumer and, uh, like even like Phyllis Diller, like was my earliest memory of laughing uh, was at Phyllis right. Diller. And she was she was the only girl. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like legit. Um, I think it's interesting even now uh, when I like when you are uh, when I first started, I was interested if I'm having a full mental breakdown when I was first interested in potentially performing stand up comedy. It's like, where do you turn the only yeah. two at that time, especially even like five or six years ago now, like when I first started, was interested, where do you turn the Amy Schumer or Sarah Silverman? Flip a coin. Yeah. Margaret Show like started. Yeah, do that with the men. You know, the men don't, oh, do you think they're all like, you know, secretly jealous? Well, no, because we're all very different. We all have different styles and it doesn't like gender to me doesn't factor into it. I mean, there's certain things that, you know, obviously you would talk about that I wouldn't because it's your experience, but it's right. not. And I, I, I don't think that you fall into the, like, she's going to talk about her period kind of like, you know, expectation, because that's what people think of when they think of female standups. And it's, it's like, well, that's still, you can still do it in a clever way, but that's not like, you know, that's not the be all and end all of female comedy. Most of my heroes were female, like right. the ones that I looked up to, like they're underground to yeah. watch a white man do standup. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, the first, the first people I fell in love with were like John Mulaney and Mike Birbiglia. Like I, yeah. all of my stand-up heroes are men because they're just so uh, accessible. But yeah. when I dug, Catherine Ryan is one of the funniest yes. people that has ever, uh, uh, and Canadian from Asardia. That's insane. <laughs> She's somebody who was literally handed the geographically worst place in this <laughs> bountiful country to live 
and has turned herself into this incredible like a, an icon for any any comic female or otherwise any comic should hold themselves to that standard she's so good yes. on top of that Kathleen Madigan also yes. super funny just I I I went on I in first year I went on like this deep dive and I watched hours and hours and hours of stand-up and I was I had watched for months before I was like dude you haven't even watched a woman once ever oh, yeah and then you go on this journey and there's so many funny women who deserve like, so not that um, Amy Schumer and Sarah Silverman who are two of the highest paid and hardest working women in comedy should not be given accolades. However, I understand that they do a lot of air quotes, traditionally female stand-up comedy. And I think too, like uh, I sought out more like the, the, the fringe like I wanted the females I look a lot right. for gay, gay comedians like all I really had was like Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall um, but there's right. so many that just don't have you know the platform if they make it to like Just for Laughs or something they'll be featured maybe on the show but like there's not uh, like nationally syndicated it's, it's starting to change obviously but uh, you know those kind of shows were always sort of you know a, a novelty like we're gonna have you know uh, a show about LGBTQ comedians or whatever but uh, you know to see them just kind of on a bill and not, you know, specialized was sort of rare. And, right. uh, you know, I also like kind of secretly, I was kind of like, you know, am I like harping on the same shit these guys are? But uh, everyone's different. So like, you know, what I think is like, okay, I'm sure everyone talks about this is probably not true. Um, and plus, even if they do, it's still through you. And if you can do it in, in a novel way, that's sort of the, the, the best part about it is no one sees things like you do. So do you remember the first time you got praised for being a comedian like by like a random person um i like gosh uh okay listen people do it all the time i just can't think of a particular instance that i want to talk about you know? i woke up like this <laughs> i'm gonna rattle like the, the highlight favorite instance that comes to mind whenever somebody's like has anybody ever really praised you for stand-up one night, Sab and Rob and I were leaving the bar and we were walking down the street and some lady stopped me to be like, you performed at the comedy club tonight. And I was like, yes, I did. And she was like, you were so good. You were so funny. I laughed so hard. You're amazing. I think you're going to be famous one day. It was so good. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. And then Sab looked at, at the lady and went, you know, he performed too, like about Rob. <laughs> have a good night and walked away and then she just oh. kept being like no but you're so good and i was it was just it was it was awesome That's and classic. especially listen i know i'm not supposed to care that i'm the only girl but being the only girl it felt so good yes. that these two dudes who've been doing comedy for more than tripping like their asses handed to them by this lady in the street it felt <laughs> so good sisters but you know yeah I, I like that's and that's what you know once you once that happens it's like now you're you're done for like you know you're in you're you're you're, you're all in let's uh what i was gonna kind of do if you're if you're if you're game uh Always is i'm gonna ask you uh to think of something all right and it's just on the fly here and we'll see what comes out right so i'm gonna ask you what would be the worst way to break up with somebody I feel like if you took them on a boat cruise and you were like, they expected probably that you were going to propose, but you took them on this to like really push them from society to be like, listen, I'm dumping you. 
And then you also serve seafood because you're on a boat, but the person was allergic to seafood. So now <laughs> everybody on a board thinks that you tried to break up with this person and kill them. So now you're being framed for murder. You thought this was going to be a bad breakup for them. I mean, they might die, but now you're going to jail for murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the worst. Probably. I, I, I was just going to say, invite them to a three-way that they didn't know about, but you know, that's me. I'm a little, well, I'm a little more simple. You know, here's another one. What would be the worst gift exactly. to give to a child <laughs> on Christmas? A cactus. A cactus. <laughs> I was going like- to say. You know what? My sister is the only person who is a succulent owner in this home. I just <laughs> know how much like cats love it. And I have it like little kids are more cats. <laughs> okay. One more. That or I don't know, like hand grenades. Without a pin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say uh, their adoption papers, but you know, again, I'm a traditional good one. Um, okay. Worst pickup line either you've heard. Or that you could say to somebody. Um, one time on Tinder, a guy messaged me and said, uh, <laughs> uh, I have a peanut allergy and I want to smear peanut butter all over your tits until I die of asphyxiation. But also anaphylactic shock. And then I was like, smooth or tacky? I think if someone's going to include the words autoerotic association and anaphylactic in a Tinder message, we got to hand it up. That's like, he thought that out. He thought, I have to say this to her. All of those words were also spelled correctly, like, which means a lot to me. He proofread it. Oh yeah. Like this was, this was the opening. Um, Truly. (laughs) I don't even, I I think the worst one I ever know, you know what? Like I'm going to end it here because that was, that was too good. So. Um, Allie, <laughs> thank you so much. You've been a delight as usual, and uh, I, I I miss you terribly. And uh, I want to thank you so much. And I hope to see you soon. And uh, wow, we've been almost an hour. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Of course, I love you. I miss you. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, anytime. That was Allie, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I was. This is the part where I usually say you can catch her, but again, it's the pandemic, so there's nowhere. But you will catch her soon right. because she's everywhere. <laughs> You'll catch something from me soon. (laughs) Well, there you have it. My conversation with Allie Moore. I want to thank her again and again and again because she was such an awesome guest. And uh, she and I will be collaborating later on this month. But that's top secret. So thanks again for listening to On the PA. My name is Patrick Alexander. I do absolutely everything for this podcast. And uh, I hope the pandemic is over soon so I can hire a staff and crew to not only help me, but to have someone to throw something at when I'm really, really frustrated. Um, Everyone out there, wear a mask, stay safe. We love you. And uh, tune in for On the PA episode eight, which may be delayed by a week because this bitch is tired and I may just take a week off. But in two weeks... I'll have something very special. What that is, I don't know. Um, Even now, I'm still unsure, but it'll be great. Don't worry. So anyway, 
See you on episode eight. Bye-bye.